0: Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life, and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'd help us to understand the things of the Spirit of God that we're going to learn today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so we're excited that today we're starting a new series on 2 Corinthians. And 2 uh, Corinthians is one of the uh, epistles I read a lot because it has the most personal insights as to the Apostle Paul. And anybody who thinks that being a Christian is easy, all they have to do is read 2 Corinthians. And you'll see all the personal struggles Paul had. As a matter of fact, some scholars think, uh, after reading 2 Corinthians chapter 1, which we're going to go through in a moment, uh, Paul might have even almost had a nervous breakdown because he says he had the sentence of death in himself so that he may trust in God who raises the dead. So it's a very personal letter, perhaps the most personal letter in all of the New Testament. I would say in uh, the Old Testament, the most personal letters are the story of David and the book of Jeremiah. So some of the narrative of scripture is incredibly honest uh, in terms of the personal struggles of some of the heroes we look up to. 2 Corinthians was written about a year after 1 Corinthians. If you want to see where the Church of Corinth was founded, you could go to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 18, and you'll see what circumstances they were founded. Um, and in order to understand the purpose of Second Corinthians, you have to understand the purpose of First Corinthians. The occasion of First Corinthians, or the first letter to the Corinthians, uh, was Paul was trying to correct their abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, There was sexual immorality, there was selfishness during the communion table, and other issues that he had to address immediately. The occasion of the second letter was to give instructions on how to restore the man that they had to put out of the church for a season because of his licentious character. And he was repentant, and they brought him back in. So that was the occasion of the second letter, as well as some of the struggles Paul had to go through in his walk. Um, So in the first chapter, which we're going to read in a minute, we're going to see how God turns our mess into a message. We're going going to see how God uses the struggles we're going through. And my wife had a word for this year, and... The word I had was very similar. Uh, My friend called me up actually yesterday, another apostolic leader in the city, and he asked me, what is the word of the Lord the Lord has given you this year? And I pondered it for a moment because I guess he wanted insight because he was preaching today. I said, the only word I'm getting is perseverance, faithfulness, and loyalty. That means it's going to be another rough year. And it just means that, you know, we have to continue to persevere, be loyal and faithful. But this is going to encourage us. What we're about to read today, and not only today, but the whole series, is going to be very, very encouraging. As a matter of fact, it would be discouraging if we promised you that you would have no problems in this world. And then when the problems came, you would be discouraged. No, the Word of God is very um akin uh, to understanding human nature and frailty and the fact that we live with other people with different perspectives and agendas and worldviews. Uh, oftentimes personality clashes take place. It's it's a tough thing. It's even if you got your own act together, doesn't mean everybody in your family has their act together or people on your job or it's politics. People say, um, you know, do you want to get involved in politics? So, well, there's politics everywhere. There's politics in your family. There's politics in your business, in the NYPD, in the fire department, not just in, in civil government. So there's agendas and politics and different things. And besides that, other issues like COVID. So there's always issues we have to grapple with and go through. And uh, And so when we look at this second Corinthians letter, this letter, the second letter to the Corinthians, uh, we're going to see the purpose in suffering. And so let's uh, look at a taste of some of the suffering that Paul went through. If we think that we've had a bad day, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 11 real fast. And in verse 22, I'm just going to read parts of this because we're not going to deal with this chapter today. He said, I'm involved in labor is more abundant than anybody else, in stripes above measure. Stripe is when they beat you with the whip on your back, in prison more frequently, near death often. Five times he received 40 stripes minus one, so they gave him 39 uh, whips with the cord. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Now today, the word stoned does not mean what he meant. Uh, He meant literally people throwing stones, he wasn't talking about smoking weed. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was in the deep. So three times he was in a a boat that sunk or capsized or whatever, and he was in the middle of the ocean for more than 24 hours. And journeys often, perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, and perils among false brethren, people who made believe they were Christians. See, we had that 2,000 years ago, it happens today. in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst and fasting in cold and nakedness besides the other things what comes upon me daily my deep concern for all the churches so not only did he have all these uh, challenges from the outside but inside in his mind in his brain the mental responsibility he had for all the churches he planted and then he gives an example of how that affected him psychologically Who is weak, and I am not weak, meaning when someone has fallen away from Christ, the burden comes upon him for that person. Who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation, so when someone stumbles, as we would call, backslides or falls into sin, he takes it personally, and as a shepherd, and believe me, all of us who are pastors go through that. When someone is falling away, I don't care if I'm on vacation. If someone falls into sin or something happens with somebody's walk, I don't care if I'm on a beach somewhere, it's going to hurt me and pain me and my wife and others who are pastors. And it's not like we could just take it off. You don't take a pastor hat off when you leave church. It's with you day and night, and that's what Paul is talking about. So going back to chapter 1, we're going to start with, verse one, we're not going to read the whole chapter because every week we're going to give you we're going to give you a, um, a synopsis of each chapter. And so Paul says in verse three, blessed be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations. So see we see the theme here of second Corinthians. It's how to persevere in tribulation, how to be um, faithful, how to be loyal to the cause of Christ, no matter what is going on. Instead of promising us a world without tribulation, Jesus promises to be with us in our tribulation. See, that's the difference. See, without Christ, you're still going to have tribulation, but you won't have God with you. In Christ, he's walking with you, and then he turns it and redeems it and gives it a purpose, and that's the power behind it. So he comforts us in our tribulation. It doesn't say he takes it away, but he comforts us in it. That's powerful. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted from God. And so what he's saying here is all of the issues that you have, all of the excruciating pain within and without, all of the environmental issues, things, the circumstantial things that you're going through, all of that is something that is part of your school of of training. God is training you. God is increasing your capacity. God is enabling you to uh, understand how you could put him first in the midst of your challenges, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of the things you're going through. So even in your worst circumstances, we have to look at it like this. Again, what Paul says, God comforts us in our tribulation. Why? So that we can comfort others who have the same trouble or in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So whenever we go through something, we trust in God in the process and what happens is God increases our capacity so that we can help other people. So whatever we go through, there's a redemptive reason so that we could serve, so that we can minister to other people. Isn't that amazing? So we can look at everything we go through, no matter how horrifying it may seem to us at the time, as a way of God increasing our capacity, our influence, our anointing, our faith, our trust in him so that we could say to someone else, I feel you, I've been there, and this is what God has done for my soul. Isn't that great? That's what Paul is saying here. Um, And so, like I said before, your mess becomes your message. It becomes part of your testimony Uh, I've had some very, very challenging times in my life, and I still have very challenging times. And some of the worst of my season in life was in my early days as a Christian, and it was really excruciating. The pain, uh, the the things I felt, the um, situations I found myself in, and uh, the relational challenges I was in And uh, for three years, there was an intense feeling of pain. And I always felt God's presence during that time, even though emotionally I was in a bad place at times. It was hard for me even to connect with people. I would preach, I'd preach under the anointing, and then I'd run out. I couldn't even socialize for part of that three-year period because it was so hard. It's so difficult. I had to pray when to eat, not when to fast, because it was only when I was fasting that I was able to handle the pressure, the atmospheric pressure of the spiritual warfare and the intensity of the things I was in. But after that three year period, I looked back and I saw that I grew more in those three years than I ever grew just from Bible studies and preaching. And uh, I learned that it was knowing God in the fire that caused me to grow more than ever, caused me to walk with a limp, caused me to have a level of brokenness in my life that could could have never taken place outside of that fire. And so no matter what you're going through today, just trust God because there is a reason for it and I can't figure out the reason for why I'm going through what I go through all the time. And even some of the things I've gone through, I'll look back, I still don't understand why it happened. So it doesn't mean you're going to understand it. What it does mean is you're going to grow in faith. You're going to grow in trust. You see the difference? Just because you understand something doesn't mean you're going to grow anyway. It's when you don't understand, that's when you need faith. You walk by faith. Somebody say, I walk by by faith, and not not by sight. And that's what is so powerful about Christianity, is that we don't have to understand, we don't have to wrap our brain around everything that goes on, but we just trust in the Lord. And so he goes on to say, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, sufferings of Christ, meaning When you suffer, it's not for something stupid. That's not the sufferings of Christ. Sometimes suffering is self-afflicted. You go rob a bank, you're thrown in jail. You're not suffering for Christ. You're suffering because of your foolishness, right? But suffering for Christ is when you are doing the will of God. You're doing what God wants. And because you're doing the will of God, there is conflict. There is challenging. There is people who maybe get in your face because they don't want it done that way. There's a lot of reasons which we're not going to get into today uh, of, of what it means to suffer for Christ. But meaning, just understand this, it's when you're following Christ, there's going to be suffering, not just when you are not following Christ. So as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds. Wow. The feeling, the presence, the knowledge of knowing Christ in the midst of the fire. And I've been there many times and I felt like I had nowhere to turn, no one to look to, nobody to console me, nobody to advise me because nobody would understand what I'm going through. And the blind, total abandonment of my soul to God, it, it was like a, a weird excitement that took place saying, God, you got me. Nobody else could get me, but I have total faith in abandonment that you got me. And it's such an incredible feeling. Once there's that total abandonment to the will of God, we see that eventually there is a consolation. It doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen every minute, a moment of your suffering, because then it wouldn't really be suffering. But there's a point in which there's a, a consolation There is a a, a something of the essence of who God is in the spirit that abounds in us through Christ. Uh, So what God is saying is that even when you're in the fire, understand that as painful as it is, there's going to be a more glorious after effect. The sufferings of what you're going through now, as it says in Romans 8, the sufferings of this present time, is not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will afterwards be revealed in you. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Even as our suffering abounds, so also our consolation also abounds through Christ. God knows how to fix you. God knows how to heal you. God knows how to speak into you. God knows what you need. God knows how to speak your language. God knows how to reach your soul. God knows how to meet you where you're at. God knows and understands what nobody understands. He understands you more than you understand you. And he knows that's why in the midst of the fire, you need to trust in him. Because he knows you better than you know yourself. And he says, if we are afflicted, verse 6, it is to your consolation and salvation. I love it. So when you're fully surrendered to Christ, when you're a servant of Christ, when you're a Christ follower, we're not talking about just being a pastor. I mean anybody. The affliction that you have is so that you could have consolation, endurance, and faith to give to other people. If we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. My God. You become an expert in areas that no one else could teach you in. Wow. wow. That is amazing. So if we're afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. What I give you out of my pain will enable you to, to endure in your pain. That's what he's saying. Part of your endurance is going to come from believers who could resonate with what you're going through and say, I've been there. This is how God met me. Hang in there, right? It's like, I think it was the 1950s when people thought it was impossible to break the four-minute barrier for running a mile. Nobody could do it. Until one day, and I forgot the guy's name, maybe it was Cunningham, he ran under four minutes. And then, almost miraculously after that, a lot of people started breaking the four-minute barrier. And now it's commonplace. If you run a four-minute mile, you can't even make the Olympics, most likely, right? It's when someone breaks the barrier or someone has been through what you're about to go through. It gives you hope to know someone came out okay on the other side. God is real. God is with us. God is faithful. And God will take me through. That's what Paul is saying. He says, if we're comforted, it is for your comfort. Our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, you will also partake of the consolation." Because I've been there, I've seen it, and I can tell you, you'll see it too. You'll see the glory at the end of the day. Then he gives an example, verse 8. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the trouble which came to us in Asia. And we think some scholars believe that was in Acts chapter 19, if you want to look it up, when um, a riot broke out in the city of Ephesus in Asia Minor and uh, the Bible doesn't tell us everything that happened there, but he had some kind of huge issue there, and he says we were burdened beyond measure, above strength. We despaired even of life. Yes, we even had the sentence of death in ourselves. I don't know if any of you have ever had that experience where you actually thought you were going to die. You were in a place where you thought this is it, have a few seconds left that's what paul was saying here he said we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in god who raises the dead wow whatever doesn't kill you causes you to trust in the resurrection what he's saying here is his faith increased even as he had the sentence of death the sentence of death he had you know, in and of himself, the feeling that he was about to die, or whatever that psychological feeling was, we don't know. We understand that it was God's will for him to go through that so that he would truly trust in a God who could raise the dead. In other words, he's as good as dead. Now he has to trust in God to keep on living. The God who raised up Christ from the dead is going to raise you up out of your ash heap. It's going to raise you up out of your near-death experience. It's going to raise you up out of your financial death, out of your relational death, out of your ministry death, out of your marriage death, out of your vocational death, out of your self-doubt death. When you give up on yourself, it could be anything where you've totally given up hope. God says, I'm going to allow it to happen so that you would trust In him who raises the dead. This is as real as it gets. Here the great apostle Paul, perhaps the greatest of all of the living apostles during the time of Christ and right after Christ's resurrection, he still felt the sentence of death. It was a psychological challenge. And then it says that God delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us In whom we trust that he will, not he might, or not he may be, or not likely, but it says he will. Somebody say he will. He said he will still deliver us. That's a future statement. Because of what you've been through in the past, it gives you capacity to handle the future. Everything you've been through in the past is preparing you for your present and your future. Everything you're going through now, it's for something else. Your leadership is capped by your threshold for pain. The more pain you could handle, the greater influence God could give you. Do you understand what I just said? I just dropped a bomb on you. Everybody wants a title harder anybody wants. What goes through with that title? They, don't, they want the perks. They don't want the pain. But everything that we are going through now is giving us a greater capacity for faith, for trust, for hope, and ability in God for what we're called to do in the future. I love that. That means there's a purpose for your pain. It's not in vain. Hey, that rhymed. Somebody tweet that. Perfect purpose for your pain it's not in vain <laughs> say that fast a hundred times come on now and so he said he will Oh, I love that he will still deliver us one of the things that paralyze humanity to paralyze every one of us we dwell on fear we dwell on what could happen in the future and that will paralyze us. Some of us live with a lens of fear, a lens of paranoia, a lens of anxiety. Always thinking the worst is going to happen. Always thinking negativity. But what, what can get you out of that is what Paul said. He will still deliver us. Amen. He will still deliver us. I love it. In Second, in Second Timothy chapter 4, I probably read that chapter more than any other chapter in my life. It's his final statement before entering heaven. Basically, Paul says, when he was about to get his head cut off by Nero, the most wicked of all the Roman emperors, he said this, he said, The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and present me faithful, uh, whole, before his heavenly kingdom. And so what Paul is saying is we are immortal until our assignment is finished you understand paul said the lord will deliver me from every evil attack and in that context he said the lord nobody everyone forsook me when i stood before nero but the lord stood with me so that all the gentiles might hear the word of god and i was delivered from the mount of the lion." And he said, after that, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack. So in other words, it was impossible for him to die. It was impossible for man to kill him. It was impossible for the devil to take him out until he finished his assignment. When you're serving God, I don't care if you think your plane is about to crash. If you know your assignment isn't finished, you're going to have faith that that plane is going to be okay. You're going to have faith that you're going to make it. You're going to have faith that no matter what's going on, as long as you're a Christ follower, you cannot be taken from the earth until your assignment is finished. And so he said, we have the sentence of death in ourselves. We know that God will still deliver us. And you also helping us together in prayer. And the giving of thanks on our behalf is part of that. And so it's prayer, thanksgiving and the gifts granted us through many, all of those things kept him going, kept Paul going. And I'm going to wrap this up with verse uh, 14, and second, uh, chapter 1, we're going to go to verse, uh, rather it's verse 18. But as God is faithful... Our word to you was not yes and no. And so here we see that loyalty, that faithfulness, and that perseverance. Our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by Sylvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. You could trust in God. He doesn't give his word and take it back. He's not a man that he should lie. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's immutable. He doesn't change. He said to Israel, Malachi, uh, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you haven't been destroyed, Israel. For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. I love that. All the promises in his word are yes, are amen we could trust his word we could believe his word we could depend upon this book it's called the good book for a reason all other promises are sinking sand man's word eventually fails but this never fails all the promises not some of the promises not most of the promises All the promises of God and Him are yes. We could go into 2022 without fear and consternation or without anxiety. In spite of the stock market, in spite of Bitcoin, in spite of the pandemic, in spite of the inconsistency of the present administration, in spite of whatever else you could talk about, high crime in the cities. We could still go into 2022 with faith, with trust, abounding in hope in Christ's consolation because all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He's established you. That means he's made you a firm pillar. He's made you someone strong. He's taken you from a wishy-washy person and he's made you someone that can be dependable. He's established you in Christ, which also means that even if you fail, your salvation is secure. He's established you, which means that your steadiness doesn't depend on you. It depends on Christ. Because he says he's established us with you in Christ. He said with you, meaning Paul was talking about himself and the church, so he's talking about the whole church. He's saying he's established the church in Christ. You know, the Roman Empire was looked at as the great empire, but after it came and went, the church was still standing The empire of Napoleon failed. The church is still standing in France. The empire of the Ming Dynasty failed. The British Empire failed. And soon the USA, unless they get their act together, as a unipolar power, will fail. The kingdom of God is going to continue to get greater and greater and greater. Because as we... Understand the scripture, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, of the increase of his government, of Jesus' government and peace, there shall be no end. The kingdom will get greater and greater and greater until the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I'm not looking for the Antichrist, I'm looking for Jesus Christ. And so we're at a place of faith. Somebody say, I'm in a place of faith. Because God is the one who establishes me. Say that. I love it. I love it. So my trust is in God, not in me. I'm in over my head every single day. But God evens the playing field. He gives me the advantage when I trust in him. So he's established us. He anointed us. That's that holy oil of the spirit that comes upon us. And then it says he has sealed us. And he's given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. A seal was when somebody put a, a seal on a document to guarantee that it would be delivered safely before someone could open it. And so what God is saying is, I've sealed you with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to deliver you safely into my kingdom. You not only have the spirit, it's not like the spirit comes and goes. You lose your temper and your cuss. The Holy Ghost left you? No, it doesn't work that way. You mess up, the Holy Spirit leaves, then you repent, he comes back. No, 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 no. He's sealed you. He's keeping you safe. He's keeping you strong. The Bible says even when we're faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So no matter what 2022 holds for us, I have faith. I don't have faith in the American government. I don't have faith in myself. I don't have faith in anything else. I don't have faith in the new administration of New York City, but I have faith in Jesus. And because of that, we're going to make it. Somebody said, we're going to make it. He's sealed us, and he's given us the spirit in our hearts. And the last thing, the spirit is not only a seal, but it is a guarantee. Ooh. It guarantees heaven. It guarantees glory. It guarantees that all things work together for good for those who love God, for the called according to his purpose. It guarantees that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be, prepared to be compared to the glory that will also afterwards be revealed. It guarantees that God is with us, who could be against us, It guarantees that through God we shall triumph over all our enemies. It guarantees that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus and that we always are led into triumph in the next chapter. Next week we're going to see that in 2 Corinthians 2.14. He always, not sometimes, he leads us in his triumph in Christ Jesus and he spreads through us the fragrance and the knowledge of his will, of his glory to every person. Wow. To guarantee not only that we're going to heaven, but while on the earth, he'll never leave us or forsake us. Because he's got you. He's holding you in the palm of his hands. You are the apple of his eye. If God sent his only son, if he spared not his only son, how much more will he also with him freely give you all things? If God is with you, who could be against you? I want us to stand. We're going to practice social distancing because of the issues that are going on now with the pandemic. So we're not going to call everybody up, but and we'll wait till this thing burns itself out. Hopefully the next three weeks it will. But I want us to put our hands up. Just commit ourselves to 2022. God, because God is with us, who could be against us? It says neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor things present nor things to come shall be able to separate us From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus no matter what you go through the love of God is gonna be with you and that's more than enough to take you through so father we just commit this new year and we thank you that we have the beloved Apostle Paul as an example of someone who is faithful unto death who is faithful And so you deliver him from every calamity, from every challenge, from every tribulation, whether it was circumstantial, whether it was environmental, whether it was false brethren, no matter what it was, we saw how you delivered Paul from everything until he finished his assignment. Father, we're trusting because you have anointed us, because you have established us, because you have sealed us with the Spirit, which is a guarantee of the things to come. We're trusting that this year we're going to be faithful, and we're going to seek you, and we're going to be what you want us to be this year. Father, we thank you that even if we were to stumble or fall, we could come back to you, and you will pick us up and receive us unto yourself without any questions asked. Father, we thank you, God, and we commit this new year to you. Oh, Lord, let everybody sense that fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. Let everybody sense that power of the presence of God. Let everybody sense the faith of Christ as faith arises in their souls. Oh, God, because you're with us, no one will be against us. We're going to worship the Lord now. And we're going to worship the Lord with confidence as we enter this new year. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care. And God bless.